Welcome to the On-Premise IT Podcast from Gestalt IT, the only show that dares to be both on-topic or on-premise, and yes, on-location, on-premises. Today's premise relates to the use of AI in security and the idea that maybe, just maybe, security is the one area that AI is actually useful. Before we get into that, though, let's meet who's on the panel today. My name is Michael Levan, and I do everything Kubernetes and containerization, so consulting, books, content, all that good stuff. W. Curtis Preston, a.k.a. Mr. Backup, and everything he said about Kubernetes, just replace it with backup, and you got me. <laughs> Hi, I'm Karen Lopez. I'm Data Chick on Twitter. I am everything about data, no matter whether it's in the cloud, on-premises, or on-premise. It, well, it's going to be on-premise this time. So, uh, <laughs> And I'm Stephen Foskett, organizer of Tech Field Day, publisher of Gestalt IT, and all enthusiast of all things cloud and security-related. So while we have you here, of course, it's 2023, so the topic of AI has come up, let's say, a lot. And we've had the usual shenanigans of having ChatGPT generate goofy things for us during the discussion. We've had the usual arguments over the fact that people are using generative AI and large language models for all the wrong reasons in all the wrong places. And yet, and yet, for a long time now, ever since I was recording the Utilizing AI podcast, I have said that security was an area that AI generally, machine learning more specifically, deep learning even more specifically, and yes, even large language models could be extremely useful. Because frankly, security often is sort of find the weird thing in this group, in this set of data. And frankly, generative machine learning, you know, AI, that's what this stuff is good for. So am I right in saying that security is one area where AI is actually useful? I, I would say that it's important to differentiate at a high level, right? Because we only have 27 minutes, not three years. Um, AI, like the first piece of it is simply just gathering data, data sets. The other piece of it is, you know, the human factor of being able to have a conversation with a robot or a machine or whatever. From a data set perspective, yeah, absolutely. Because we don't have to write a million policies. We don't have to put all of this stuff in place when it's already there for us. And if we can slap AI on it, that would you know work out way better than us having to have all this information and collect it ourselves and then go and create policies around it. So you're talking about using generative AI to generate policies and templates and rule sets and right. things like that. Or even simply just to give us the best practices. What should we be doing in this environment? Well, it's going to go to its data sets and it's going to look at tons of data that would take us way longer. It's going to collect it, give us that information, then we go and we implement. Yeah, I, I think for me it's, it's about... You know, when you're looking at us, you mentioned it earlier, when you're, when you're trying to figure out something has happened, something bad might be happening, the best way to do that is something looks weird. Well, the problem with that is it's really hard to do as a human. You, you, you know, you, you, you have to just look at all the things. You end up with so many false positives. You end up with basically, at some point, just not giving, not caring, right? And so I think machine learning... Um, is perfect for that. Just look at all my stuff. Look at all my network connections. Look at all my files that are being created. Look at all my backups that are being created. And get to know how they look. And then suddenly one looks a bit odd, right? 
gee, that backup's never been that big. Gee, no one's ever logged in from Russia before, right? Um, and, and, and then hand that to a, to a human being. And so I, I guess I'm strongly agreeing. I, I don't know if your first comment, which was it's the only thing AI and ML are it's good for, but uh, I, I think it's definitely, at least in IT, um, I think this idea of using machine learning to identify patterns and identify things that don't fit those patterns uh, is a huge use for it. And so I both agree with you guys and disagree. Sweet. So, I, so one of the things is, like, I just think we should admit here that we're all going to use the AI terms probably imprecisely. Like, mm -hmm. So we're going to use AI just because it's a good general term, even though all the cases that we're going to talk about are going to be little slivers of those things. So I agree that looking for anomalies is a great um, machine learning task and everything. My concern about it is, especially from the demos I've been to and other webinars and things, is that the models get trained on very large enterprises, generally. And then if you go to use it on a small and medium business where people are more jack of all trades, where DBAs are also sysadmins and ops people, um, that it won't do as well because it's been trained on huge separations of duty of someone who only has an access to a sliver of the files and it's going to start you know, doing things, especially if it has that second step that everyone's talking about for ransomware, which is automatic remediation, like picking them off, shutting down their, mm. blocking their IP, mm. shutting down all their access, deleting the files they just downloaded. That's my concern here. So it all comes down to responsible use of it. Yeah, and then I think the other piece of it is like, to your point, having the right data to be able to feed it. Mm -hmm. So it, correct me if I'm wrong here, but ChatGPT, it's pulling data sets from 2021, yeah. which in tech, that might as well be 30 years. <laughs> so like having the right data sets to be able to feed this machine or AI or whatever we mm -hmm. want to call it, that's going to be drastically important well, in, in anything that we do, yeah. including security. I, I, I think that's why you, you really, yeah. for a proper machine learning uh, setup, you need to be uh, training it on your environment, right? I think it should, both, it should right? Have, yeah, you yeah. can use that large model, and you're like, oh, clearly this is, you know, this is ransomware. This is a this is a, an attack. Uh, but you can also train it in your environment. Perhaps you're this weird environment that encrypts stuff a lot. Yeah. Randomly encrypts files, or right? Or in bulk. Uh, or, or in bulk. <laughs> yeah, encrypts yeah. in bulk would be really bad, very <laughs> triggering. Uh, and so you've, it's, it's got to get to know. And also your environment may have lots of people logging in from foreign countries randomly yep. and often, right? Um, and so it's got, for, for, for these models to it's work, both. it's got to be trained on your uh, world. But again, I, I just to go back to the beginning, it's like, I don't know anything else that can do this better than that, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, kind of like democracy, right? <laughs> Not perfect, it's, but probably yeah. the least worst model we have. Yeah, exactly. Whatever that quote goes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and I, I think to your point about these um, models being trained, I think it's important to recognize too that, um, yes, they're trained on a data set, but then they are fed data. Mm -hmm. So it's not like ChatGPT can only function on things that existed before 2021. 
it, it just it just fundamentally is stuck in you know just like me I'm stuck in the 80s you know it's fundamentally <laughs> yeah. stuck in 2021 and, and and so you can give it new data and it'll it'll be able to access that but it won't be able to uh, to really fundamentally alter alter who it is what it is not who it is but what it is because that's what it was trained on but to to Karen's point, I think it's important to keep in mind too that that what it's what it was trained on matters because mm -hmm. as we've seen with a lot of the exploits against ChatGPT, and you know in terms of like prompt attacks and so mm -hmm. on, uh, once it's been trained on things, it's kind of there and it's a black box. And I think that's to me is the scariest thing about uh, machine learning is that it really is a black box. We don't know why it's making the decisions it's making. And people can, just like a black box, I mean, they can experiment with it and poke at it and figure out kind of what pushes its buttons. Mm -hmm. And that could cause problems in security. So I know I'm the one that said it was useful. And, it was, <laughs> and I said it because of the things Curtis said, was because it's really good at finding needles in haystacks. But, but, but if we start relying on it, I think it would be, I think it's pretty likely that the um, firewall AV model, machine learning model that that is useful to detect, you know, bad occasions or the or the anti anti ransomware ML model that's used to detect ransomware is going to have all sorts of fun, clever exploits uncovered to keep it from seeing the needle mm -hmm. when the needle passes by. And I think to that point, and what everybody's kind of saying is, you know, at a high level again. We're taking a whole bunch of data, feeding it this thing, and then it's going to tell us the anomaly. So really what we're talking about is aggregation of logs, of data, of whatever. And, you know, to, to bring it up, because I have to, because it's Kubernetes, um, <laughs> there's this one project, this open source project called Kate's GPT. And one of the things that it's doing is, like, let's say you have tons and tons and tons of logs in your cluster. It'll just tell you exactly what you're looking for, like the most important piece from whatever perspective, from a security perspective, mm -hmm. whatever. It'll essentially aggregate all this data for you and just give you what you need. And I think that's like, uh, it just outside of security in general, but that's another huge part of it is taking all of that data that we wanted to be able to read, but more importantly, telling us what we need to know with that data. Yeah. And I think that like the thing that excites me most when I see these demos is the whole concept of behavioral analytics, which is what we're mm -hmm. talking about here. And that maybe it'll even do things like help find good behaviors that are happening um, and, and also find out when not necessarily something bad is happening, but something has just gone wrong. Like an, uh, a department or employee whose productivity working with data has all of a sudden fallen off because something changed in the feeding system or some like I see it going beyond security but focused on the data. Mm. The things that I'm most worried about are the generative ones. So we've seen a lot recently in the news about copilot, about generating code, about generating databases, generating policies, is that I'm worried that people can stuff things into the models that, you know, if it's generating one million Azure security policies, who's going to review that? Yeah, right. it, it is a good point. I mean, it's the same thing as just code in general, right? Like, yeah. how do we get malware? Because malware code is shoved into application code, yeah. and then around and around we go. So it's, it's very much the same problem, mm -hmm. fortunately. Yeah, totally yeah. get it. So how yeah. do we fix that? No, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, you know, Stephen's point about that there will be exploits. There will be yeah, exploits yeah, there will to be. this model. 
but it doesn't mean we we ha we have to use what we have. It's the yeah. best tool that we have for this scourge that we are presented with. We've got to get past this. Um, you know, we're already in the point in the backup world where backup isn't good enough, right? That they've mm -hmm. now gone to the double extortion, they call yeah. it, right? That the first thing they're going to do is is Take exfiltrate it. the data. Mm -hmm. Which, so mm -hmm. to me, uh, it's like the the number one thing that means we now have to stop is exfiltration. Yep. Well, the only way to stop that is to find out that it's going on, right? Right. And and you are never going to see that as a human being, mm -hmm. but your network infrastructure can see that and go, why are we suddenly uploading data to this to Dropbox, right? Yeah. Or or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. but the, the handful of sites, mm -hmm. right? Um, or why is this person all of a sudden yeah. downloading the customer list? They've never done that before. And the only reason they have access is they do minor updates as a backup, not a backup, mm -hmm. as a secondary resource yeah. for that. And all of a sudden, why are they doing that? Yes, why is this, just to, I don't know, think of a random occurrence, why is this uh, young National Guardsman who's yes. supposed to be maintaining the IT yes. system suddenly downloading secret what NSA you, files? What made you think of that? Yeah, <laughs> I just idea. thought of that one off the uh, top yeah. of my head. Um, and, and you'd think, I mean, to, to, to what Michael brought up at the beginning, you would think that people would have programmed the systems to do that. I mean, you'd think that there would be like a regular expression that says like, if IT nerd, <laughs> you know, and data source equals secret NSA stuff, then don't give them, you know? I mean, you'd think that somebody would create, like, I don't know, that's my own, um, my own language of, of uh, mm -hmm. configuration. Um, it's just like YAML. And, um, <laughs> well, and yet, no. But that, that, could, to, to, that could be a way where a language model could help. Mm -hmm. where you could just talk to a computer and go, I don't know if like this happens and this happens and that's happening, can you just not let that happen? And then <laughs> it could figure out, like that's kind of what you said in the very beginning is it could help you create those policies. Uh, but then of course we gotta check those policies right. yeah. because uh, you know. Well, you know what, what you said is right. Well, what you said around the anomalies and, and you know what you're saying as well, where it's like, Th that data, you know, of, hey, this person's downloading something, warning, warning, mm -hmm. it's there. It's most, maybe it's there, but what's our problem? The problem is, is that there are gigs and gigs and gigs of logs. Engineers can't. We're drowning in data. Right. They, they don't, they certainly don't want to, nor do they have the time to go through all of that. Mm -hmm. So they need a way to be able to parch that data out. Mm -hmm. And we have those methods, but those methods are compared to something like AI. It, it's very manual. It's a very mm -hmm. manual effort to be able to retrieve that data and actually do something with it. That's the, that's, the, that's the most important thing, right? We can have logs all day, but if we're not doing anything about it, that's our problem. Well, and some people choose to log events and for monitoring purposes just for in case they get sued, like more of a <laughs> defensive thing, mm -hmm. and they're not using them for anything else. And I think that has also changed, I've noticed, in the industry that people are seeing the logs really are, can be something proactive, not so much, you know, in case something goes wrong, we'll go find out who did it. Mm -hmm. But being able to detect those things off the top. And you're right. We, we couldn't even write reports on it. Something you said earlier that gave me an idea. So, you know, it's, it's like, again, Stephen Accounting, you know. Uh, so we've noticed that every time Stephen Accounting, if he's on the Internet more than three hours, something bad happens, right? <laughs> so maybe the, the model, you, you know, we could, we could 
together, put together, you know, how you have like the, like the know before yeah. the training, right? Well, Steve always fails to know before training. So how about we tweak up the, <laughs> the monitoring on whatever Steve ever goes online? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, could we do something like that to, to basically, again, connect the dots for us? Yeah. Um, I don't know. And, and you know, ironically enough, um, this is just popping into my head now, I think this will make us write better software. Why? Because, you know, like if you, when you're looking at logs, for example, when you're reading these warnings and these errors, uh, that this, this didn't just magically appear, right? When we're writing software, we're, we're putting those errors and those warnings into our application code. That's why we can see them in logs in the first place. So if we have the ability to say, oh, wait, we have an easy way to parse these things now to make our jobs easier to create policies, it's going to make writing software as an as an engineer. I'm going to be like, I'm going to put all of this stuff in now because mm -hmm. I know it's actually going to be used later on. Log so, all the things. Exactly. Yeah. Things. Yeah. And that, that actually reminds me of one of the things that came up on utilizing AI. Um, this sort of perverse thing where because you you can use machine learning to parse more data and to extract more value from the data, you can therefore you collect even more data. Mm -hmm. So in other words, you know, if, if the amount of data that a person with manual rule sets can, can handle is, you know, n, you know, log level two, mm -hmm. the amount of data that a machine learning system could handle is more like log level eight, mm -hmm. you know? And mm -hmm. so therefore, because we have this technology, we can turn the logs up to log level eight. You know, whereas we never could before. And I think that that was one of the interesting aspects that came out. And again, one of the reasons that I feel like this technology is particularly useful for security and particularly useful in, in areas like Kubernetes and the cloud, because like you're saying, you know, we can actually enable a lot of this debugging that we never would have looked at before. Yeah, no, 100%. I think it's going to make writing software a way better experience now because we're actually going to be able because, you know, like if, for every application that I've written, every piece of software that I've written, yeah, like we put errors in and we put warnings in and we put if-else statements in and if this mm -hmm. thing fails, let us know. But the reality is, it's like, yeah, like the software is letting us know, but by the time we get to it, there's been 200 more lines of logs <laughs> that have popped up and we don't even know that it's there. And I, that's a huge problem in itself. Yeah, so log all the things, back up all the logs. <laughs> Um, because, you know, it, when you have a, a ransomware attack or any kind of cyber attack, the first step is forensic, right, mm -hmm. to figure out what, what has happened. Mm -hmm. And um, I know that I've been involved in a number of attacks where the first thing we need to do, get all the logs that mm -hmm. we can for the last however many days. And if you're not backing up those logs or, or in some way putting them in some Archiving system, them, yeah. right, um, then you're not going to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. But doesn't really go to the on-premise, but I just had to say the thing. <laughs> but there's a flip side to that too, and that is that if you turn log level up to eight for every machine, mm -hmm. and if you have machine learning processing it and getting all the good stuff out, there's a good chance that you're not going to archive the logs. Mm -hmm. There's a good chance that you're then gonna dump those logs because we already got all the good stuff out of them. We think we have. Which means we no longer have the information to go and find the things that it missed. Back up all the logs. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. And, Turn the log level up to eight and You'll never hear up. me say anything else. <laughs> and, and the other thing is, if we go to our legal teams, they're going to tell us log level minus 100 mm. because don't keep any evidence mm. unless you're legally mandated. And I wonder how this is going to, I wonder 
how the, the sort of butterfly effect of doing all this AI is going to come up in court, and then people are going to be like, oh, yeah, we should delete things. Yeah, so they will, yeah, it's a continual problem in my world, yeah. right? But what, what you're seeing now is actually legal driving the process. For example, there, the company wants to get cyber insurance, and the cyber yes. insurance says you need to do these 10 things, some mm -hmm. of which some people don't want to do. Mm -hmm. So that's, um, you know, that's definitely, that's definitely helping out there. Yeah. And, and even, you know, like thinking about uh, regardless of the environment that you're in, like, for example, healthcare, like I've done a lot of healthcare in the past and we've done the high trust certification, uh, certifications and HIPAA compliance and this and that. And a lot of it means you have to save data for, let's say, seven years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So then I have to think to myself, well, if log level is up to eight and we're saving everything, that means we have to get extra budget for storage because yep. we're going to be saving way more than we did prior. So now this is another problem in itself. And your logs could be end up being bigger than your data. Right. Maybe <laughs> not image data, but bigger than your source data. Yeah. If only there was a storage technology that was <laughs> really reliable, more reliable than disk, and like a tenth of the price yeah. <laughs> rhymed with... Yeah, you know, I wonder what, yeah. if you, what if you like just passed that that storage underneath like a read and write head right. and stored it right. on a spool of some like, sort. And it used no power yeah. for like 30 years. Well, that's all make yeah. believe. Yeah. I can't believe it. Someone's going to invent that someday. Somebody. Like wi wireless cable was my favorite right. thing for DV. I have one, Stephen. So this comes from my world and it's security related, but it's primarily data. So the things that are coming or that are here or coming that I really want to see is AI and machine learning that assists you in finding where all your data is, mm. even the spreadsheets, even the rogue file shares, even the rogue NAS things plugged in, and then helps you classify and categorize that data. So yeah, if someone you know is storing a spreadsheet for the um, latest pool on who's gonna get fired first, okay, maybe no one cares. But if someone has downloaded the customer data and is now doing all their work off a spreadsheet on their local laptop and nobody knows about it, we not only want to know the inventory, but the fact that this laptop has credit card information, health information. And before when we had to do that, we, had, we looked at column names of tables and CSV headers. Now we can look at the actual data and profile it better to say, you know, that looks like a medical chart. Man, but I love writing Excel macros. I, I don't want anything to help me with that. <laughs> no, we're not going to stop you from doing it. We're just going to label it and not allow you to mail it to yourself to your Gmail account. Oh, I'm totally kidding. Just, just get rid of the Excel macros all the way. I know, I know but, but to me, this is a security thing. Like You can't secure things that you don't know exist in your right. enterprise. Right that you don't know what's in those spreadsheets or that PDF or that JSON file because they have to convert all the spreadsheets to mm -hmm. JSON because the JSON people hate Excel. Yeah, well, I mean, you, I, think, I think whether it's internal or external, I think you have to start with, there are ways to basically block shadow IT, mm. right? Yeah, I was right? just making that part up. Yeah, 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 block shadow IT and allow what needs to be allowed, right? Yeah. No, you know, nobody should be using Dropbox to store corporate data unless mm. Dropbox is our corporate solution, right? right. That can be easily yep. blocked, yes. right? Yes. Um, and honestly, you know, block all those services, the Dropbox-like mm -hmm. features, 
if your company isn't using them, yeah. right? That would, that would stop a lot of this exfiltration. It would right? a lot, except for the shadow cloud IT, where just someone has signed up for a free developer's account. That, that, is, that is a real problem, right? right? And, and it's totally unrelated to your systems. Yeah. They've personally yeah. done it. They get $200 credit and free services for a year, mm -hmm. like on Azure or Google. Mm -hmm. And they decided because they wanted to use a certain data visualization tool, not the ones that we provided. Right. Or they want to use, I don't know. But that's the problem is yeah. every time you try to close the door, Somebody opens a window. Yeah, right. Well, uh, but these scanners now, that smart scanners, yeah, can go find that. Yeah, and and they can. Well, we get like in the like so we can't block Amazon, right? We can't right. block AWS or Azure, mm -hmm. but we can watch for it yes. and go. Ah, Karen's never used AWS before. Karen, where are you using <laughs> AWS? And you're like, what's AWS? Um, but yeah, AWS? we can. But no again, that's that's <laughs> that's um, that's another use for this for the yeah. the model, right? Is to mm -hmm. watch what people are doing, um, and and look for them accessing the things that we don't want them to access. We yeah. can't. You're right. We can't block it. Mm -hmm. So what I'm hearing is that you guys want the AI overlords to monitor everything we do <laughs> and report us to the supervisors On whenever our we do anything unusual. Because it could be illegal. Mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah, exactly. Minority report. Wait, we, yeah. <laughs> but remember, I said we could also give out gold stars for behavior. Like some abnormal behavior is also good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you just—it's—you don't have to assume that Karen's on AWS doing something bad, right? You just say, reach out, reach out. Oh, Karen's on the new thing, right? Mm -hmm. Karen's yeah. on the new project, or. or you're uploading CAD photos? Well, yeah. that's great. Can you not do that on your corporate laptop, right? Yeah. That you didn't do anything wrong. That's just right. don't, don't do it again. But a lot of this right? stuff is really hard to turn off. I mean, I, I guess yeah. you guys have probably seen the story about the woman who tried to not use the cloud at all for yeah. anything mm -hmm. yeah. and essentially couldn't do anything anymore because literally everything uses the cloud. Right. And I think that that's one of the problems back to the AI topic. We're seeing OpenAI generally, you know, ChatGPT specifically, being integrated into so many tools mm -hmm. that I don't think you could shut off. I think already, and it's only been available, mm -hmm. it's still only a preview technically, and it's only mm -hmm. been available for a few months, and I don't think you could turn off ChatGPT today if you wanted to, because I think it would break enough. And I think next year at this time, ChatGPT and Google AI and Microsoft AI and Oracle AI, I think yep. these things are going to be essential services, just like Amazon Web mm -hmm. Services, and we won't be able to block them. Mm -hmm. And we won't really even be able to control what they're used for because everything will use them. Like the internet, not just cloud, the yeah. internet. Yeah. Well, unless you adopt a block everything and only allow what's allowed. But it's yeah, almost going to work abstracted. real well. It, yeah. it works in a lot of companies mm -hmm. where where this actually matters, right? Yeah. They they, it's 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 you know where you where if you're in a if you're in a um, skiff. yeah thank you a <laughs> skiff right uh, where it's like you can't yeah I mean it's really the only way to do it like fully right um, exactly and that's but, the problem is because we're not in a skiff mm -hmm. and most people aren't and even the military and even the intelligence agencies have people walking around with personal cell phones and watch TikTok videos mm -hmm. and compromise locations and stuff like that. I mean, I think it's really, really challenging to actually turn stuff off. Mm -hmm. And and we're getting off we're getting off topic here. Yeah, a little bit, I know. But I think that kind of let's I want to give you guys a chance to summarize. So basically, my premise was that 
security is the one place that machine learning is going to be very, very useful. Are you in agreement or are you not in agreement? Karen? I think I'm seven out of a 10 in agreement. <laughs> okay. So very, very useful, I agree with. But I'm also very, um, you know, sometimes skeptical of what Dave and accounting is going to do with it. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm in a hundred percent agreement. There will be a new problem that we then have to mm -hmm. solve. Yeah. We just don't know what it is, it is yet. Yeah, it's definitely going to make it easier to go through the data that we can't go through manually, tell us what's going on and create remediations around it. Well, I, I, thank you so much. This has been a fun conversation. It's fun to be on premises for today's on-premise IT podcast. Before we go, uh, where can we connect with you and continue this conversation? I'm Data Chick on almost all social media, so find me there. Uh, WC Preston and uh, BackupCentral.com. Michael Levan on LinkedIn and the NJ DevOps guy on Twitter. And as for me, you'll find me at S Foskett on most social media networks. Uh, you'll also find me here on the on-premise IT podcast, on utilizing tech, our Monday podcast, and on the Gestalt IT Rundown, our Wednesday news podcast. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the on-premise IT podcast. For more episodes, go to gestaltit.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week.